Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You are listening to the Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all-new and mightier 1090 AM. Good afternoon on a beautiful Friday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the mightier 1090 in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. This is a special day after Thanksgiving Friday show, best of show. The first guy that I want you to hear from, our chat with King's president, Luke Robitaille. It's always very special when you can talk to someone who has a statue outside of Staples Center. So let's now hear from King's legend and president, Luke Robitaille. Luke Robitaille. Luke, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you doing, bud? I'm good. Uh, we do our show from Manhattan Beach. And Jihei, my producer and co-host, a longtime friend. I mean, the, the moment I decided to move here, Luke, was when uh, you guys won the cup in 2012 and then 2014. And the way that I saw this community get around the Kings, you know, all of your players live in the South Bay. At what point did the South Bay become the home of so many players and coaches? Yeah, it's it's been a little bit of a time, but I would say the time, the point that it became like the the King spot is probably – Rob Blake uh, coming in in the in the early '90s, and he was there, and then he bought like a, a I think it was like a, not a house on the Strand. He's on the Strand now, but uh, and then it seems like uh, around the mid uh, 1990 91, it seems okay. like all the guys started like uh, moving there. I, Gretz and I, we both lived in uh, Gretz was in uh, Woodland Hills when. <laughs> And he started. I was in Sherman. The rest of the team was all in the South Bay, you know, like, so it's kind of that. I, I, I would say we call Rob Blake the mayor of uh, the South Bay. So <laughs> <laughs> that's probably when it started. <laughs> uh, Luke, I'm very excited about this upcoming season. One of the things I'm really excited about is the new TV contract that you guys have. And I don't want to knock the previous deal, but I just think having this new TV contract with uh, Turner and uh, ESPN and having that cross-platform. I mean, so many people will see highlights that maybe have not seen it. Talk about how important this new TV deal is. And I, I just think the, the, the spotlight will finally once again become the, the, the thing that we, like, again, if, you, you, if you're not familiar with hockey and you're watching SportsCenter, you will be f- familiar yeah, you know, it was big for us. I mean, for us to have the opportunity first to go on TNT and like, look, uh, I'm not a, I don't, I always joke that I don't have time to watch that many other sports, you know, because of my life and it's all around around hockey. But if I'm flipping channels and I see Shaq and the whole crew on TNT, I do. I watch the show because it's funny and it's fun. It's entertaining. I might not even watch the game. But I'll watch them because they are really good. So when TNT came on board, I was like, I hope we could get that. You know, yeah. we can get to that place where irrelevant of the game, you want to watch the guys in between because it becomes a little bit more important. And the second thing, obviously, signing with ESPN for, for us is, is a great thing. I, I always tell people, when you go to, a, let's say you go to a sports bar or something and they open up at 11 a.m., let's say, the first thing that people that work behind the bar, they turn on the TV. That's what they always do. And 99% of the time, they're already on ESPN. They're not 
searching for another channel yeah. unless someone asks. And so, so the fact that will be more like on the on the news package and so forth. They're not just going to show fights anymore. They're probably going to show more goals and everything. <laughs> I think that's going to be really good for our game. For for from that standpoint, I'm really excited. Uh, Luke, give us a feel of this season. The season begins Thursday night against the Vegas Golden Knights. And whenever they have the success, I always tease, like, this, this was Luke's fault. When the Kings ran Las Vegas, you guys had the first outdoor game in Las Vegas. You guys made Vegas a hockey town. It is still amazing, Luke, when I go out there and I, and I see how much that community supports that team, loves that team. But you guys open up the season Thursday night at Staples Center um, against Las Vegas. Give the fans out there a sense of what this team will, will look like. Uh, like uh, it, it got uh, it got cut off here, Arash. Oh. Uh, but like uh, I think it's my side. I, I'm really sorry, but uh, but you're asking about our team. What, yes. What, what, yeah. What, like, what, yeah. What will the team so look like this year? Yeah. Like uh, you know, we've had like uh, we we announced like a couple of years ago that we were going to rebuild a little bit our franchise. I mean, we've been fortunate. We won two championships. The way our league works and a in a hard cap, it's really hard to. To, to, to keep com competing every year. And what I mean by that is like, you can find a way to try to make your team to win, to get in the playoffs, but to actually build it, to give you a chance to win it all, you got to kind of have to to step backward a little bit and, and move forward. So I think for us, like, we're excited now because this is the first year that we told our players, we told everyone, we told our season seat holders, we told all of our fans that we're turning the page. We're done with the rebuild and we're going the other way. We're going on the uptick now. And that's why this summer we, we traded to add some scoring on the kid Arvidsson. Then we signed uh, the free agent, Philip Deneau, and then we, we added a defenseman in Adler just that would stabilize some of our young defensemen and help them. So we're, we're excited that we're, we're going the other way. There's like, a, and I, and when you're a player and you come in the room and you know, the team is like, okay, guys, there's no more excuse. Like we, we got it. We, we're here to win. And uh, everything that we talk about is we're trying to build this team to give us a chance to win another cup. So that's the way we, we're looking at it. Uh, going into this season, the goal is to definitely take a step in the other direction. We're going to do something really cool on the show tomorrow and then next week. We will be giving out two pairs of tickets. So two tickets on uh, Friday, two tickets next week for the very first game of this season. Luke, the fans, you guys knew how important the fans were, but but... Like, until you lose the fans, you don't know that. And, and, and to have fans back at these games, I mean, Kings fans are so passionate. I keep telling people, you got to go to a hockey game live. you got to go to a Kings game live. And I will say, as much as I love the Lakers, there is nothing louder than Staples Center during Kings playoff games. Luke, how important will it be to have fans back at full capacity again? It, it's huge. I mean, you know, even listening to our players' comments in these preseason where they're saying it is so much more fun to have fans in the stands, to hear the roar of the crowd, like, and, and to feel like, you know, as you come out of the zone and you feel the emotion and so forth, it's, it's going to take our game to another level. And, and you know what's funny is when you're a player, you know about it, but that's the way you've lived your whole life. But when you miss something is when you really miss it. 
So I think every one of us, including management and everyone, we're really appreciating getting our fans back now. My uh, producer and co-host, Jihi, reminded me that you uh, had some time in New York. He's a big New York uh, sports fan, Luke. Jihi, uh, <laughs> what, what would you like to say to Luke Robitaille? Well, first, first, uh, Monsieur Robitaille, I'd just like to say bonjour. Um, I, I, loved your, I loved your cameo in How I Met Your Mother. Um, oh, awesome. It was so, so cool. It was a Robin Sparkles episode. It's, uh, anyways, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan. Um, not only of you in that episode, but you um, as a player, obviously. Um, in January of 99, you scored your 500th career goal, which is monumental in and of itself um but you scored it at the great western forum which yeah you know nobody plays in anymore um against the buffalo sabers my um my question is uh could you describe your memories and what it was like there because you just actually led me into my um into my question um what was it like as a player to play at the forum because not anybody really knows anymore what it was like over there yeah, well, uh, you know, it was, uh, I, I clearly remember coming in 1986 when uh, people would say, like, you know, being from Canada, they would say, oh, Los Angeles and hockey, and it's not that, you know, it's not going to last and so forth. But I remember coming in and for hockey at the forum, it was 16,005. <laughs> that was the amount of fans for a sellout. And I remember my first year where every night there would be 13, 14,000 people. And I kept saying, man, there are more fans here than city like the New York Islanders were in those days in the late 80s when the, when the team had, after they'd won their cup, they couldn't draw more than 5,000 people. So I was like, I think LA is more popular than a lot of teams. People would be shocked. And, and for me, I loved it because I, I really felt there was a certain passion for the people that attended the games. But then I was very fortunate to live the Wayne Gretzky era. And that was absolutely fantastic where the roar of the fans then we ended up going to the finals in 93 and it was just something that uh, it was very hard for us to describe because it was like so special and all of us kind of feel uh, like we, we lived an era that was uh, that, that probably will never be seen again and it's very hard in sports I mean you could you could say getting uh, LeBron James in, in LA for the Lakers it's, it's kind of like that but getting Wayne Gretzky changed the game for us next thing you know we had a team in anaheim a team in san jose a team in miami a team in tampa bay dallas phoenix i mean this it was all after gretzky came to la like it's it was amazing but to to see like what you talk about the forum where there was just that one area people could walk around and see everyone and it was like it was really special we really uh i cherish those days yeah, I have one yeah. more. Yeah. I have one, sorry about no, this. No, no, I have no. just one more personal question um, because I love food so much. Um, my myself and my roommate, you were quoted by saying that your favorite uh, jelly was a sour cream plain. Is that true, uh, or was that just for the show? And um, do you also love your quid de past de castors? Do you do you eat them as well? Which is literally translated as a beaver tail for those that don't oh, yeah, know. What beaver, beaver tail. Yeah. Well, yeah. I played. Well, it, it was not really in Montreal the beaver tail. It was like in Ottawa. Right. That's right. Yeah. Is, and that's why I played my junior hockey. And it, it, you know, as you know, the 
outdoor there, the river freezes and you could go skate. So, yes, I did like the beaver tail. And we used to go when I was like, so I, I kind of feel for me, I grew up because I was there from 16 to 19 years old. So it's a big part of your life. And so we would try to get like, you know, a bunch of guys, we'd try to go skate and we were trying to be cool and see if we could get a date or something. It never worked, <laughs> by the way. But uh, that, was, that was our big thing. And yeah, so it was a little bit part of the script because if I'd say about Tim Hortons, the biggest thing that I would order for me would be the uh, the uh, banana nut uh, uh, muffin. That's my favorite <laughs> there. And uh, there's nothing like their coffee, by the way. It's oh, yeah. Awesome. Oh. <laughs> I, I miss Tim Hortons. You know, we used to have the, uh, what was it? The Redondo Beach Cafe used to do like a really good job with the Canadian yeah, things. And they used to bring it. That's right. I That's think right. they had it done. The guy was from Quebec. That's right. Yeah, yeah he was. Uh, Luke, I cannot believe we are coming up on 10 years since when the Kings won the uh, Cup. I guess a two-part question. I mean, what made that team so special? Because it kind of came out of nowhere. They get into to the playoffs one of the last seeds and it just went on this heck of a run during the playoffs. I had never seen anything like it. Describe that team. And now that we're coming up on 10 years, do you guys have something planned? Yeah. So the, the, the biggest thing about that team is like, uh, well, for years, for over 40 years, the LA Kings organization was always a little impatient. So we were known to, to trade our draft picks for years and years and years. And in 2007, our, we got a new GM in Dean Lombardi, and we already had a good base. We had Anze Kopitar, Dustin Brown, Jonathan Quick was already part of the team. And But the, the goal at the time was, okay, let's not trade any draft pick. Let's build from within. Let's have guys that it means something in their heart to play for the LA Kings. It's not you just – sometimes when you trade from another team, you still want to be a player, but when, when the team drafts you, it's special and it means something. So we started to rebuild. And then around 2010, we knew we were getting a good team. And we made the playoffs, got on the first round. 2011, we made the playoffs, got on the first round. But And then that summer, we started trading away because we had so many prospects, a few players that, that would kind of fill the holes. Because once you have, like, enough players to come on your team, it's not like a nothing against other sports, but, like, as an example, in the NBA, if you get two really good players – you're re you have a real good shot. If God forbid you get three, <laughs> you're a contender. In hockey, you need you know eight as your base, and then you need another five or six to really be part of the core. So you need 13, 14, 15 guys, and if you have only 20 guys at play, so you really need to build it. It takes time. So in 2011, we made a few trades. We got like a player like Mike Richards. Then during the season, Jeff Carter, and the the season was up and down. But we had a good base and we were playing the right way. And what happened is in March, we started playing the way we were expected to play. And then in April, we played real, we played really well. And by the time we got in the playoff, even though we came in as an eight seed, we probably had the most amount of wins for about a month. And <clears throat> we got in the playoffs and I, I've never seen a team where you watch the entire team where everybody sacrifice a little bit of their personal gain for the better good of the, the cause. And we ended up winning. And it was amazing because we won in the least amount of games of Stanley Cup in the history of the league. Mm -hmm. Then <clears throat> two years later, we were down, if you remember, we were down 3 nothing, and, and so forth. Then two years later, when we won, 
we won the Stanley Cup in the most amount of games, right. league, which is really interesting about that team. It just shows how much character those guys are. It was they were it was a very special group. How competitive is the Los Angeles market right now? I mean, it is incredible just what we have going on here. Because, again, when you guys won your two cups, we had no pro football. Now we got the Rams, we got the Chargers, we got SoFi Stadium, we got the Clippers. They just broke ground on their new arena, the Lakers with LeBron. I mean, um, how hard is it to kind of make a, a path where you're like, hey, listen, we won two cups in three years. We've been here forever. How competitive is Los Angeles now? Well, first of all, LA has always been competitive. I mean, you can, you can have dinner next to the biggest star. No one seems to care. You know, yeah. that's just Los Angeles. And that's, you got to know your, your market. And for us, I think what's important is we know the Kings fans are super loyal. Yeah. They love us and they, they, they support us. Now, when you win, you could grow that a little bit, but you just got to stick to your lane and know you got to do things right and act like you belong. It's Los Angeles. You got to win in this town. There, People think there's less pressure because there's so many There's more pressure because you yeah. absolutely have to win. You, you got to make a dent and you got to show that you're willing to win. Like you're trying to win every year. And that's, it's very important, but is it more competitive today than it was a few years ago? I'm not sure. I think it's always like football's always been around in, yeah. in LA. You know, we're, we've always been there. I think what's more important is for us to do things and act like who we are. We know what we mean to the city of LA. We know what we mean to our fans. And we got to make sure that uh, we communicate with them and they understand what we're trying to do. Is there some things that are getting I mean, you guys have always done a great job pregame. I've always told fans when they when they go to the game, show up there early because of the light show and stuff like that. Um, now that fans are going to be back and for, for the first time in a long time since March of 2020. Yeah. Are there certain things that you guys are doing? Can you give fans like a, a, a kind of a preview of, of, of what to expect, I guess? Oh, yeah. You, we're changing everything. So you you know if you've been coming to Kings game for a few years you gotta you gotta come back because the whole show is gonna be totally different the presentation of the game is gonna be totally different like I I always tell like our entire staff I say you know what when you play the game inside the game you we respect that and that's the game and we gotta get those young players and we're gonna be fun to watch and we're gonna be really fast but everything else outside. Let's never forget it's entertainment. Let's have fun with it. Let's make sure our fans enjoy themselves. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'll tell you what, we, we, we got this new gentleman that's working with, with us. His name is Wonton Davis, and he's, do, <laughs> he's doing the production of our, of our game. And last year, we had no fans, and we'd be sitting, and there were some nights we weren't playing real well, and we were like, well, at least we got good music. <laughs> and it was so sad. There were no one in the stands, no noise. But so I think our fans are, go- are going to be in for a surprise this year and they're going to really enjoy the show. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the seasons like I'm really looking forward to what is this team going to look like? Because I, I do think you guys are going to surprise some people. Real, real quick, we got two more minutes. The, the expansion rules where uh, I don't think we're going to see what happened in Las Vegas again. But Seattle cracking coming in and people think that they can make some noise. Do you like the expansion rules where a team in their first year can be a contending team? Well, yeah, I think it's better for our game. I mean, way back when, when we had expansion in the late '90s and and the and the uh, yeah the mid '90s and late '90s, 
the rules were you, you could protect roughly 14 or 15 players out of a 23-man roster. So it was really hard for the expansion team to come in and 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 start good. So it would take them almost eight, nine, ten years oh, wow. to build a, a good franchise. Now we can only protect 11 players. So it's it's really seven forwards, three defensemen, and a goalie. Or if you want to protect four defensemen, you can only protect nine players out of 23. So they're for sure. If they do their job well, they can pick one of your top nine forwards or one of your top four defensemen for right. sure. And it, it really gives them an opportunity. Obviously, last time, I think most of the teams around the NHL were were a little gung-ho about losing players, so they made like silly trades with <laughs> Vegas. Vegas took advantage of it. That yeah. didn't happen this time. Like Everybody had learned their lesson. Yeah. So Seattle, what they did strategically, they picked players that – They'll probably be able to trade later, and they'll they'll be able to get some asset. But that being said, they got a very competitive team, so they're going to be competitive every night. All right, that was Luke Robitaille, and when we come back, we will hear from New York Times best-selling author Joe Posnanski, who wrote the book The Baseball One Hundred. When we come back, right here on the Mightier Ten Ninety in Southern California and ninety-eight point five The Fan in Las Vegas. We will be right back with the Arash Markazi Show. And you are listening to a new generation of radio. The all-new and mightier 1090 AM. You are listening to the Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all-new and mightier 1090 AM. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mighty Air 1090 in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. We are not going to play for you. My chat with Joe Posnanski, who wrote that amazing book, The Baseball 100. We talked to him during the playoffs, really focused on the players here in Los Angeles. Now let's hear from the man himself, Joe Posnanski. Joe, I will not reveal the top 20, but for our purposes here in California, I do kind of want to work our way from the back to the front as you know 1090 is is sort of the heart and soul of 1090 is in san diego so everyone wants to know about tony gwynn the interesting thing is you actually as you touched on in the book sat down with and talked to tony gwynn two years before his passing and and just uh, he was so beloved here touch on tony gwynn and why he was placed where he was well, you know, he is, uh, I, I can, there's a couple of different ways I can do that. But the, the main way that I love to do it is uh, I'll tell you why he's one of the greatest players who ever lived. And then we can go from there. <laughs> I, you know, that's uh, what a, what a force he was, not just as a player, but as a person, I just one of the most wonderful people I've ever had the opportunity to spend time with. Uh, we, we did an event together at the all-star game in Kansas city, uh, in 2012, where he just talked about hitting and, you know, it was like listening to, uh, to, uh, you know, any master talk about their craft. I mean, it was just, just joyful. And, and I, my, one of my favorite moments ever was, uh, saying to him, would you, everybody wants to know if you would have hit, uh, 400 in 1994 when the, the season was cut off by the strike and he was hitting 394 at the time. And I said, would you have hit 400? And he said, of course I would have. And I, <laughs> I, I just love that so much. So 
Uh, one of the all-time great players. Now, he is number 95 on my list, and uh, there are many, many Gwyn fans who believe he should be much higher than that, and they're <laughs> they're not wrong. And, and no, I, I totally get it. I, you know, to me, Tony Gwynn at 95 is representative of how many great players there have been in the history of this game. And when you really start breaking it down and, and try to rank the hundred greatest players, it's an impossible task. Uh, and, and, you know, you just have so many things going on and, and, uh, and people that, uh, that you have to get to. And, and that's just where Tony Gwynn ended up on my list. Joe, this, this book is really great. I think people may see this at the bookstore and it's almost 1000 pages. So I think people may be intimidated, but it's such a quick read because you, you touch on like, each player and you get to know them personally talk about the the motivation because it's not just about these statistics when you're done with this book you know your top 100 but you feel like you know them as people too yeah and that was the biggest thing honestly uh and, and i'm really glad that you said that because uh for me of course, this is a ranking, so people are going to want to argue about the rankings, and that's great and super fun. But for me, this book is why I love baseball. That's what this book is. This is my story of why I love baseball, telling it through the stories of guys like Tony Gwynn and guys like Ishiro Suzuki and guys like Sandy Koufax and guys like uh, Willie Mays. I mean, it's, it is the story of baseball through them, why they mattered, why they were special, what made, uh, what makes the game so great. And, and, uh, so that's what I wanted to do. And, and what I was able to do, I think with each player, uh, was, was hopefully tell their story, but also put their story in the context of baseball history and why they are one of the hundred greatest players in baseball history and why the game is so much better because of them. Joe, there's someone on the list that people in Los Angeles are beginning to know and appreciate and love Max Scherzer. So two, yes. two part question here. Um, why is Max on the list? We, we cl clearly can see it now. And if the Dodgers can find a way to win that world series this year, but back to back that, that in season trade for not only Max Scherzer, but trade, Turner. It's got to go down as one of the best in season trades of all time. <laughs> and incredible, right? I mean, because it kind of came out of nowhere. They stole, they seemed to steal Max Scherzer right from out on from under of uh, the Padres and Giants. I mean, it was it was really amazing. Max Scherzer, and I'm so glad that people in LA are seeing this. I mean, this is something that I think real bit, you know, baseball fans that have been following, obviously followed the Nationals uh, all the way to the World Series a couple of years ago. This guy is such an extraordinary pitcher and such an extraordinary competitor. And I, one of the things that I think about with him, and obviously this is the last year of his contract, when he got that big, huge contract, um, a lot of people thought that that's going to be a disaster, a disaster, because he'd had a couple of good years. He won a Cy Young in Detroit had a couple of good years, but the rest of his career, he was okay. He wasn't great. He wasn't, you know, and they're like, well, who's the real Max Scherzer? And then that might be the best big money contract ever given to a player because of how great he was in Washington. And then he goes to, to the Dodgers. You know, he was having a good year in Washington, but he goes to the Dodgers and suddenly he's in the middle of it. And bam, look at this. And now we're seeing the, the Max Scherzer who's going to the Hall of Fame. 
Joe, speaking of bad contracts, unfortunately, people in Los Angeles know pool holes from his time here. Uh, you know, if you're not like an older fan, but you remember the player he was in St. Louis. I loved the buddy walk story of uh, Malibu Pujols in St. Louis because I, I got to be honest, like, I, you know, when you're in Los Angeles, you're focused on the teams here. I guess another two part question. If you could touch on Pujols, but also it has been amazing, Joe. He could have been out of the league. Tony Larusa didn't give him a chance with you know Chicago. There's no fit here. The Dodgers take a flyer, and he is so beloved in that clubhouse, and 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 just big hits after big hits. Your 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 thoughts on Pujols really just saying, "Hey, I'm just going to have fun," but also touch on the player that he was. Yeah, yeah. Let's start with that because. Albert Pujols from 2001 to 2011 is one of the greatest players in the history of the game. He was the best player in baseball. And and it's hard now because all we have are the numbers. And you see the Albert Pujols that he's been the last 10 years where it's clearly age caught up with him and, and he wasn't the same player. And it's it's hard to forget how dynamic he was. He wasn't just uh, a 340 hitter with power every single year. He was a great first baseman, gold glove winning first baseman. He was a great base runner. He can, he, and he's, he's never been fast, but he was a great base runner. Uh, he did everything on the field and he got better every single year. Just an extraordinary player. And then very sad in a lot of ways that, you know, that Anaheim never really got to see the greatest of the great that was Pauls. There were flashes of it here and there, but they never got to see it. And you are 100% right. It looked over for him when the Angels let him go. It really looked, when LaRusso said there's no place for him, who would have thought the Dodgers of all teams <laughs> would have room for him? And then the Dodgers get him and you're like, all right, it's a, it's a, they got him, but it's, you know, basically it's because they have an embarrassment of riches. They can afford to put him in there. Uh, no, he's been a huge factor for that team and it's going to be fun to watch him in the playoffs. I mean, I don't know how many at bats he's going to get, but each one of those at bats is going to be uh, very special. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to loop in our producer, Jihei. Jihei's been, been such a fan this year. We, we went to San Diego to, to see the Padres and the Dodgers. We, we thought that would be an amazing. It was a great game last night, but uh, Jihei, your uh, thoughts on the, the book? Yeah, no, I mean, I I actually, the question I have is not book related to you. You are a North, you are originally from Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, my, my question is actually really selfish. Um, I'm a huge Duke fan. And so I really <laughs> kind of want to know who do you root for the Tar Heel nation or are you part of the brotherhood? Well, I actually uh, <laughs> moved to Charlotte when I was in high school. This is a great question because that's the first thing you get asked when you're, yep. you know, I, I moved here from Cleveland and first thing people said is like, all right, who do you like? Who do you like? Who do you like? And when I was in high school, uh, Duke was not really even the number two choice. I mean, that was Krzyzewski had just gotten there. Uh, he had, you know, they were just beginning to put it together. NC State was the second choice. And and then Wake Forest and all this. And, but but I was like, well, who's the best? Because I didn't know anything about college basketball. And they said, well, Carolina is the best. So I'm like, all right, so I like Carolina. And so I, I kind of bandwagoned on to Carolina just as Michael Jordan was there and, and won a national championship. That was the first year. So... I've always liked Carolina and I've always despised Duke. It sort of seems like the, the thing I was supposed to do. Um, but now I don't feel that way anymore. I, I feel, I feel you know, completely – I like watching the rivalry. I really do. And honestly, when, when one of those teams sort of takes a dominant position – 
at any point, you know, wins, sweeps the series or whatever, I kind of root for the other team. I want those, I want it to be even. I want I want it to be, uh, I don't like when one of them sort of falls off, kind of like Carolina has the last couple of years, where one of them starts to fall off. I want it to be just nasty and, and, and uh, those two at each other's throats. Yeah, and then... It- but speaking of nasty, like, so I've been a Scherzer fan. I actually used to live in D.C. Speaking of nasty, he is nasty. Oh, yeah. He is probably, <laughs> hands down, you you said it earlier, his, <laughs> the fact that the Dodgers got him is phenomenal, right? It's just, it's out of nowhere. Um, we have no idea, like, how this possibly happened. <laughs> it's only with the Dodgers could this possibly happen, <laughs> right? Um, what was your um, initial reaction when they got both, though? Because that... Right. That's a great that's a great point, because my initial reaction was not, oh, they got Max Scherzer. My initial reaction was, oh, they got Trey Turner. <laughs> that was that was how I felt. I felt like, oh, my God, Trey Turner. I mean, Trey Turner has an MVP case this year. Right. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how could they how much better can they get? They just got <laughs> Trey Turner. And like Max Scherzer was like almost a side thought for me, because, you know, as good as, as he's been throughout his career, he's been a little off here and there. And and to see, I mean, he's just become the Cy Young guy again. He just came to the Dodgers. They they never lose when he pitches ever. I mean, it's 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 uh, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, both of them obviously are huge factors. But you would say that that Scherzer turn is the one that turned this entire thing around. No, oh, yeah. Joe, I told my uh, friends who are in Los Angeles, because as you know, it's a Dodger town. The, the, the Dodgers are on TV, headlines. I said, you have to go see Shohei Otani. It doesn't, I don't care if you don't like the Angels. I, I don't care about the traffic. <laughs> this, what he's doing, Joe, put in the context for people who don't realize, and he's done for the season. He won't pitch again. But this season, I mean, it, it was so incredible to watch what he did. Absolutely unprecedented. That's what it is. It's unprecedented. I know people have have brought up the Babe Ruth comparison because he pitches and he hits, but Babe Ruth never did this. He never did it in the same year the way this guy is doing it, where he was a dominant pitcher and a dominant hitter at exactly the same time. Um, It's just never happened in the major leagues. The the closest happened to is a guy that I actually wrote about uh, in the Baseball 100 is a guy named Bullet Rogan who did that for in the Negro Leagues in the 1920s, and 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 that was you know it was unheard of then, and 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 he did that, absolutely amazing. And the thing that's that's crazy, and you guys have seen Otani live in person. One thing you don't get on TV is how big he is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you see like oh he's a great player, but he's he's such an imposing figure you know i mean he's 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 a delight i mean he's a wonderful guy it seems like but he's such an imposing guy he's very big he throws impossibly hard he hits massive home runs that sound different than every other player in baseball um what a gift i mean what an absolute guy he's he's my mvp i don't see how you can pick anything else yeah Joe, number 27, because there was there was a few players that you did this with but they fit mike trout number number 27 um the two of the best players of of like in a long time are on the same team moving forward. I mean, I, I hate to like ask you, like, can this team be successful again? You, you have to put the pieces together. But Shohei Otani, Mike Trout on the same team. Amazing. But but then again, it was Albert Pujols and Mike Trout on yeah. the same team. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it does take more than two guys for sure. And even even if it's two and a half guys, because right, because because Otani is <laughs> pitching and hitting. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I 
I hope so. I I love Mike Trout. I just yeah. I could not love Mike Trout more. Uh, I think he's everything that's good about baseball. And I want him in the playoffs. I want to see him in the playoffs. I want to see that team in the playoffs. It really is a disappointment that they've not been able to build around him. And, it, you know, it's been a bad minor league system. It's been some some poor choices, some poor signings. But it's time to get that going. I mean, we're not going to have Mike Trout forever. And and that team needs to needs to build up. And, you know, Shohei Otani is, is a huge, huge part of it. But Anthony Rendon's got to be a huge part. They People just have to start coming through for that team. Yeah. Joe, you touched on this in the book. There may not be a, a a better name than Sandy Koufax. In Los Angeles, the name Sandy Koufax is Babe Ruth. I mean, when you just say the name Koufax, you don't even need to say his first name. And you touched on it. Vince Scully sometimes got Kershaw and Koufax confused. 50 years apart, two of the greatest pitchers of all time. If I could ask you to touch on those two guys, and I'm so glad, again, that Kershaw got that World Series because it was the, the one thing that was on his back. He didn't get that postseason success, and I don't care that he did it in Texas and in the bubble. He got the <laughs> World Series, Joe. Uh, talk about Kershaw, Kofax, 50 years apart. Yeah, I mean, not just two amazing pitchers 50 years apart at Dodger Stadium, but two left-handers, both with a K name. I mean, it's yeah. just amazing. <laughs> it's incredible, and you could see why Vin would would think of one and see the other, or see one and think of the other. Um, you know, they were they were different, of course, because the times were different. I mean, Kershaw was this was this uh, you know extraordinary pitcher who just just never gave up runs. Uh, I mean, has been and continues to be. I mean, he's not quite what he was, but you know. And Koufax was a guy who threw 350 innings a year, you know, and then would would be still have enough left in the postseason to throw complete game shutout after complete game shutout. It's it's uh, you know Koufax is on his own place, right? And and I know that's true in L.A. Uh, everybody just thinks of Koufax and thinks of you know the the very height of what a pitcher can be. Kershaw's career is much more scattered. He's had the injuries to that, but. Kershaw, in his own way, has dominated this time uh, the way that Koufax dominated his time. Um, last couple of questions for you, Joe. What, what is, I mean, just as a historian of the game, we are so fascinated by this season that the Dodgers win like every single night, Joe, and they cannot gain a single game. <laughs> There's still two games back. Uh, what, can you compare this race to like anything? I mean, talk about the Dodgers having this incredible season, but they're still two games back of their own division. It's, it's absolutely incredible. I remember this happened in the 90s with the Giants and the Braves. They had a, a one where the Giants won 100 games and didn't make the playoffs. It's happened in history, you know, back with the Giants and Dodgers. Um, but I can't, this one is so crazy to me because I have studied and studied and studied, and I have no idea why that Giants team is this good. I just, <laughs> I can't figure it out. I They're all 35 years old. Every single guy on the team is 35. They've got a bunch of pitchers that have been journeymen around the league, and 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 but they never ever lose. It's just it's staggering to watch. And I give them a ton of credit. I mean, look, they've got a bunch of good players. And when you have 25 good players, uh, you can do a lot of great things. And and that all credit to 
Farhan Zaidi and, and that staff are building an unbelievable team because because uh, I can't figure them out. I, I wrote about this today. I'm like, I nothing about this team makes sense to me. Everything I seem to know about baseball, this team breaks those rules, and and yet they never lose. It's, it really is remarkable. The other name that people will love in the top uh, 100, in the Baseball 100, again, Joe Poznanski's new book, The Baseball 100. Mike Piazza, uh, Joe, that trade in Los Angeles still hurts so many Dodger fans. There's actually a ton of Dodger fans who are still stopping Dodger fans because of that trade. Does Piazza have the same? I mean, he, he hit some iconic home runs with the Mets, of course. Does he have that the same career regardless? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously, the, the, he he never won a World Series, and yeah. and you know, I mean, he did he did play in one where where uh, he got a bat thrown in him. I mean, it's you know, <laughs> it's kind of a kind of a weird career. What what a hitter! I mean, just what a hitter, and and you know, a guy that obviously was taken by Tommy Lasorda as a personal favor to his father, <laughs> which is just an amazing story all the way around. Uh, yeah, I could see uh, him having a different career had he stayed in L.A. I mean, I just it's it's very difficult to tell, you know, the the trajectory of where things go when when things don't happen. But, yeah, I can certainly see why Dodgers fans would still be bitter about that deal. Joe, what was the hardest thing about that? Like, when you list players, I mean, clearly, by the way, if you're one of the top 100 players, you are one of the top 100 players. So That's right. That, right. So, I mean, but was there someone, you know, when you look at the top of the list, was what was the hardest choice here? The hardest choice was leaving people out. No question about it. I mean, it was the last 10 on this list, 91 through 100, I had 40 players that I that I could have put on that list and would have felt good about any of them. Uh, so leaving players out was really the hardest part. And there are quite a few players, uh, you know, that I left out: Pudge Rodriguez and and Zach Greinke and Joey Votto and 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 uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson, uh, a couple of Negro leaguers like Turkey Stearns that I wanted desperately to get into there: Barry Lark and Ryan Sandberg. I could go on and on and on. And, uh, you know, a hundred is a hundred. That's the problem. I mean, and, and for every one of those people, if I could have put them in, somebody else would have had to come out and I would have had to be feeling, you know, sad about that. So uh, that's the hardest part is leaving people out. And, and, but you, at some point, that's what you have to do when you're, when you're going to a hundred. So when, so when somebody does say like, it's an insult to, <laughs> to put somebody at 93 or whatever, not an insult. I mean that 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 part I can tell you. The, the hundred greatest players are the hundred greatest players. Exactly. That is uh, Joe Poznanski, the Baseball One Hundred. Uh, Joe, thanks so much for joining us. I mean, and this book is out right now. Fans tuning in, how can they purchase the book? <laughs> It is everywhere, literally <laughs> everywhere. You can get it uh, at your local bookstore, I hope. You can go to Barnes & Noble, Amazon, uh, Books A Million, Target. Every place has it. All right, that was Joe Poznanski. Thank you so much for uh, for tuning in, you guys, on a, on a beautiful Black Friday, day after Friday. That's uh, all the time we have for today. Let's do it again on Monday. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe, stay healthy. The Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all new and mightier 1090 AM. So it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing. Currency chasing worldwide through the hard times. Worrying faces. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. 
Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.